Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast live from Wimbledon on day 12 of the championships on what has been an absolute celebration of British summertime today in SW19. It has been the most horrific day of weather, except to say that tomorrow is forecast to be even worse. So we've really scouted a top-end wet weather position today because we might be using it for the whole of the weekend. Matt's here, David's here, and we've had to get a guest on today that is comfortable with sitting in drizzle. So we welcome Scotsman Andrew Cotter. We were born in drizzle. We're, we're 90% drizzle, Scottish people. So this is fine. This is actually, I consider this quite pleasant, so... We um, we thank you for your hardiness because it's been it's been a challenging day at Wimbledon, hasn't it? I mean, thank goodness for roofs. The roof was pulled over centre court long before the players stepped out there today. Hannah got on the chat with us this morning ahead of her Twitter stint and said, "I hope I'm wrong, but I think we're going to only have six sets of tennis on centre today." And I thought, "Oh, Hannah, you party pooper!" <laughs> and unfortunately, Hannah was wrong because we did only get six sets of tennis today on centre court. It has set up what should be an incredible final between the top two seeds, Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz. But let's be frank. Andrew, those mm. were not the semi-finals we quite hoped for. No, I, I mean there've been. Would, can I say that this year's championships on the men's side of things, in particular, has been short on classics? There have been a few, and I think Andy Murray sits a over a couple of days was was not a classic, but just you want something to provide that drama and go five sets. Do we see it as well? It hasn't been that, but um, I think the first one. I mean, the one I was commentating on was Djokovic. Um, doing his thing again basically and Sinner was very good in the third set I thought but um, you know no break points converted from six chances that's that's <laughs> you can't do that against Djokovic so I yeah inevitable I think in terms of those two winners coming through but yes I, I thought I didn't think it would be two straight sets I thought somebody would take a set or two Andrew I don't know if you saw the show with Pam last night but you can really say whatever you want mm, I yeah. did I did see it <laughs> can I say that what? yep yep you can say whatever you want and it'll still be less sensational than pretty much everything Pam said last right. night so you're fine are we talking about Shriver here we're talking about Shriver are we talking Shriver the here the legend that is Pam Shriver you know, she well it doesn't surprise me. When I started doing strange dog things on the internet, and again, if you don't know about that, that sounds weird. But when I started doing <laughs> that, so I, the first couple of tweets I put out where I commented on my dogs and they went super mad. Pam Shriver replied to one with uh, a video of, of her dog doing something to her cat. Um, oh, yes. And, there, and, and other people weighing in going, Pam! <laughs> If you can imagine, if you can't, if you can't see me, I'm putting my hand on my hip, bam, <laughs> shaking a head emoji. Um, so yes, I can imagine it's quite a good chat. Yeah, we we've seen live scenes of Pam's dog we've, doing we've, things we've, to Pam's yeah. cat. <laughs> I mean, the cats seem to be just you know suffering. It is fine. This this is just I mean, an occupational hazard. Um, we've, so we've had things done to us by mm. Pam's dog. Oh, Pam's dog. <laughs> Pam Shriver's dog. It's going in directions, isn't it? Well, I, look, I was hoping we'd get on to dogs nice and early point, in the show. Yeah. I just didn't didn't think we'd get get there in in this on this path no. necessarily. <laughs> Matt, do you have anything coherent to say about any of our semi-finals today? Uh, well, it struck me during the day actually that we had all the right players but in the wrong order mm. 
because I think uh, Yannick Sinner versus Carlos Alcaraz has proved to be a great matchup in the past, and Daniel Medvedev versus Novak Djokovic has proved to be a great matchup in the past. And I think we had a matchup problem in one of those semi-finals today. That was Carlos Alcaraz, Daniel Medvedev. I'm sure we'll get on to that. And the other one, I think we were all hopeful that it would be interesting and exciting because we saw it last year and Yannick Sinner went two sets to love up. Now, it didn't, didn't turn out to be a particularly exciting finish to that match last year, but there was, there was some hope, there was some promise that Yannick Sinner at least knew how to take sets off Novak Djokovic on centre court. But he did the classic thing of saving all his best tennis for the moments that didn't really matter and playing all his worst stuff in the moments that mattered today. No, it's a shame because there was good theatre in there. Because Djokovic is, is becoming more and more, and playing up to a little bit, the pantomime villain in there. But I think he likes that. You know, when he, when he's, it's a new one for me. I haven't seen him doing the oh boohoo mm. tears <laughs> for the crowd, saying, oh, are you sad now, are you? Wipe your tears, Wipe those tears away. I don't care. Um, so that, but then, and then when he got the, you know, the call of the umpire. Uh, I mean, that was so. There were a couple of moments in the in the match that hindrance call and you know and a, you know, slow play and which that's more justifiable perhaps. But when those two calls came in that one game, I thought, whoa, this this match could really spark to life. It didn't, but there was enough to keep the crowd interested. Certainly, Yannick Sinner thinks this match, Djokovic beating him six three six four seven six was closer than the match they played here last year where Sinner won the first two sets. I think he's cuckoo. David? I think that's nonsense. I asked him the question that led to that answer and all I asked him was, what were you hoping to do today that you were unable to? And he, he came straight out with that, that he wasn't, didn't seem to be feeling that badly about it all because he feels like he got somewhere and he can take positives from it, which that element didn't surprise me. It's a very Yannick Sinner thing to say, is, is I'm going to take the positives. But if you think losing in straight sets, and yes, having some opportunities, but failing to take them, is better than going up two sets to love and really worrying Novak Djokovic, then I'm sorry, we've got a different idea as to what doing well is all about. Yes, that line struck me as the sort of thing that the uh, creators of Breakpoint would come up with, and I feel like it's been it's been a bad day because that whole you know the whole the whole narrative of Breakpoint is all oh, the young players are getting closer to Novak Djokovic. Bad day for the movement. Very bad day for the movement, and I just feel like you know we've seen this match now year on from last year, and I agree it, it wasn't it wasn't closer than last year. It was less close. Djokovic was more dominant. It feels like. Feels like that gap has has grown between Yannick Sinner and Novak Djokovic in a year, and of course that's that should be surprising because you know, given their respective ages, Yannick Sinner should be improving all the time, and everyone assumes that Novak Djokovic has to slow down at one point. Of course he will, but it's, it's not coming yet. He isn't slowing down. He's not a worse player than he was last year. Take Novak Djokovic out of the equation. Impossible and absurd, I know. Did you see a better tennis player in Yannick Sinner than 12 months ago? Has he no, made improvements to his game? Was it just poor execution from him today? I'm sure we'll talk about his forehand, which was close to catastrophic, I would say. Look, today, I, I don't doubt harsh. that he um, has learnt a lot from Darren Cahill and improved aspects of his game, generally speaking. But... I didn't see much evidence of improvement today, and actually, I thought he really struggled with his movements. He, he, he couldn't cope with those grass courts that had got a little bit of dampness to them. He kept banging his shoes out, trying to get the grass from out of the soles of his shoes. He was off balance a lot of the time, and he was shanking the forehand all over the place. And that's so, so mitigating circumstances for him in playing a you know, bad match of tennis, and tennis, in particular the forehand, is that if from the very first game he looked unhappy with, he was sliding and he was, he was unhappy with his footwork and it's all you know for him it's so, his footwork is so good usually and his strength and his fitness and his lateral movement is so good that when that is thrown into his head that doubt that uncertainty then of course that's going to and, and, and yes Djokovic was having the same sort of difficulty but you could see that it wasn't affecting him mentally in quite the same way I mean Sarah was asking the umpire all the time saying you know this is 
we're sliding around here. Of course they're going to play on. They're never going to stop that that much for that. But he just kept going back to him and saying, look, I'm, I'm unhappy with this. So if that's going on in his head, then obviously the rest of his game is going to be affected. You, David, asked another question in the annex in a press conference, which I think got to the heart of this match and almost every match we see of Novak Djokovic is particularly against this younger generation that are trying to push him to one side to create opportunities for themselves kind of Alcaraz aside which was did you play the ball how do you try and play the ball rather than the man when the man is Novak Djokovic because I don't think Djokovic played brilliantly today I know that's his thing only playing as well as he needs to and Yannick Sinner did not require him to play his best tennis and that is a supreme skill that he has but had that not been Djokovic, with all the aura that comes with Djokovic, I think we might have seen a different match today. I don't think Sinner would have squandered those six break points that he I mean, created. It's not, it's not just luck. It's not just bad luck that he played badly today. He didn't just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. He played badly because it was Novak Djokovic. And whether consciously or not, he's whether he's on their minds or not, he's in their bones. No, isn't he's, he? a, he's, he's living rent free in everyone's head he's a massive problem for everybody and, and I, I, I would say Djokovic played brilliantly when, when he needed to on the big points yeah. absolutely perfectly he served apart from a bit in the third set he served amazingly well it must be so frustrating to win a, the first point of a game against the Djokovic server with an extended rally and then watch three aces go down and that's, that was all a waste of time um, but I personally you mentioned some of the the interaction with the crowd and the sort of trolling of the crowd that he did I like this Novak Djokovic yeah. more than any other Novak Djokovic that I've seen in the last 20 years because he doesn't care he just doesn't care. He stopped trying so hard. He stopped doing the heart to the crowd and all that I, kind of I thing. Used to hate, I used to hate that. But not because it was unpleasant. It was just because it was so false. Mm. And I just wonder... You need to have... Not that he's a bad guy, but you need to have spiky characters in, in tennis. And it doesn't have to be this relentless love fest that sometimes we expect in sport between the... Oh, the there's these superhuman tennis players and aren't they amazing and wonderful and the fans love them and the players love the fans and it's just, oh, it's a hallmark card of a sporting event. It's just, I, you want, and you know, you see it staged in wrestling or you see it staged in the villains. And he's not a villain, but you need to have somebody who says, do you know what, I'm, a, I'm the best tennis player in the world. Love me or don't love me, I don't care. And, and, and actually, get that, lost all year. If you, if you want to give me a hard time, fine. I will win, and then I will give it to you back. And, and, and too bad if you can't handle it. And the strange thing is, that is what will make spectators love him more yeah, than actually him wanting that love yeah. and asking for the love. They, they, they all say, no, do you know what? We really do admire you, and we're going to give you some love now. He said um, on the court after the match, it's great being part of this new generation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the new generation do not share those feelings. You know, he that. said the other in his interview the other night, where he said, it ain't happening. And, and, you know, usually it's so... You know, we've got wonderful players coming through and they're getting closer. And I'm just that was really Alpha Dog Boss. Mm. Uh, as I said, living rent free in their heads. I, he is as confident and bullish as I've ever seen. Maybe it's, that's because he knows that actually he doesn't have a huge amount of time back. So for now, while he is still the big dog, he's saying, no, no, I'm the, I'm the boss. I love, like, like you, David, I actually enjoy watching this Djokovic on court and in post-match interviews than the one from four years ago. Mm. He, he's also never had sort of the top of men's tennis to himself. Mm. You know, he's always shared that with Federer and Nadal and kind of been in their, in their shadow in some ways, not in terms of on-court achievements, but everything that goes with it. I think a lot of people have always thought as, as Djokovic as kind of the third one of that group, just partly because he came, came along later. And now suddenly Federer's retired, Nadal's injured and is we know is retiring soon. And it just feels like he's he's quite, I think he's quite enjoying that in a way. I think I think I think he's enjoying just being able to use his aura against all these all these young players. And and it struck me today while I was watching this match, Yannick Sinner is what, twenty one? Yeah. I think I think he you know, the line goes that he was really choosing between tennis and skiing when he was younger. And he didn't properly dedicate himself to tennis until he was 13. It was only eight years ago. 
I was thinking, what was Novak Djokovic doing eight years ago? He was winning Wimbledon. He was winning three of the four slams in 2015. So he's, he's just got so much more experience than Yannick Sinner and hasn't, doesn't, doesn't appear to have lost anything physically, or if he has, he's able to compensate for it. And what you've got now is just this, this player with a perfect blend of physical prowess, mental prowess, experience, who's embracing the moment he's in at the top of the sport, is looking at all these youngsters and thinking, well, I can beat them. And it doesn't even really feel like he's having to do anything that isn't within himself to win these matches. It's so efficient, it's so smooth, it's so comfortable, so within him. Might be a different story in the final. That, that feels like the only guy who might be able to actually push Novak Djokovic from this just total comfort zone that he's in. Before we come on to talk about Carlos Alcaraz and his route through to that final and a little preview of that final, let's talk on about the... Hindrance. Hindrance. <laughs> Have you ever seen that before? No, I've never. I've never commented a match like that. But also, I because I'm not immersed in tennis all the time. I quickly switched the microphones off of Todd and, and Tim alongside me and said, "Can you remember seeing that?" And I was specifically really talking about Wimbledon. And Tim said no. So then you can go a bit harder on it. And I, it was interesting because Todd was very critical of um, of the umpire in that moment. But it, but when I was when I was commentating on it, the, the first thing that struck you, and when you're watching it, you just think that noise has come from nowhere because there's been none of that before. And we see that sometimes players will suddenly step up the noise, but it's when they're trying to be more aggressive in a rally. But it was, it was after the shot. But I think you, you were saying made a, a good point, David, that I think it it was almost a, an exhalation of celebration at, at the shot itself. There was a little bit of that mm. in it. Yeah, and that's something that Yannick Sinner, when he was asked about it, referenced. He referenced the Alexander Bublik mm. backhand down the line that he thought he'd hit a winner of and gave an ah, you know, kind of. <laughs> it, I remember Agassi doing it thirty years ago, and I used to love that yeah. when they really rip one and they know they've absolutely caught it perfectly, and it will be a winner, and it's an exclamation, and it seamlessly moves into the cheers of the crowd, and it's carried away. It's just yeah, it's brilliant, but it was, um, but it immediately. It immediately felt. I don't know. I, when a, an, an umpire does something like that, it's it's as if they're waiting for for something like that that to to happen. Say, I'm going to stamp my authority on this this match. Which I, I don't know. I think um, umpires, by and large, are probably a bit like commentators. Or really, you, that you you don't want to be noticed you want to do things nicely and professionally but if they're talking about you at the end of the match then it's probably because you've done something wrong and I think it was Todd Woodbridge that said in your commentary that he had the feeling that the umpire had been waiting to do that yeah possibly yeah he did say that yes he did say that and so uh, exactly who knows what the reason for it and umpires get get nervous a bit as well and and in that split second you've got to make the decision that it did I mean clearly it did come after the shot and it it didn't impede Yannick Sinner but it was after the shot so maybe in that split second decision the umpire's got to make that decision I do think if if you hear it as an umpire and you feel it you've got to call it exactly because then if you miss it people are saying well hang on a minute why didn't you call that and you're thinking ah right because they're trying to impress as well they're trying to get the big matches and thinking about the final and you think I've got to make this decision just like that and it's gone. Then you've got to live by it as well, and you've got to double down. And so. I have no issue with the call. I've, I have an issue with the inconsistency of the application of that yeah. rule because that happens quite a lot, and it's never called. Yeah, mm. pretty that's, much never called. That's that's exactly where I fall down on it as well. Yeah, I, I quite appreciated the umpire stepping it, it in was and like causing gone, a bit of guys. Bit this of match drama. is a dud. Let's let's spice uh, spice yeah. things up a oh, bit for you here. I can give him a time violation as well if you want. And he <laughs> yeah. did that. Thank you, Richard. I mean, actually, I mean those two, when, it, when you get two in one game as well, because then the crowd are thinking, well, hang on, this guy's got... What's, mm. he, what's, the, what's, what's Djokovic done to this guy? <laughs> but, but so rarely does that throw Djokovic off. In, in fact, it, it tends to galvanise galvanise Oh, absolutely. Also, if you are an umpire, should you not be calling something like that yeah. just because others haven't? Yeah. No, because well, well Djokovic's complaint. Yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. Djokovic's complaint to is it David Haig? Richard, uh, Richard, Richard Haig. Yeah. Is David Haig someone else? William Haig? There is a William Haig. <laughs> he was there yesterday, actually. So. Was he? Yeah, William Haig was there. Lord Haig of Richmond, I think, as he is now. So. Oh, crikey. Um, 
Dave, Richard Haig, David Haig, Richard, Richard Haig. Haig. <laughs> um, he, his argument with Richard Haig seems to seem to be not no, that wasn't hindrance, but rather, wow, are you really doing this yeah. in a semi-final? Which <laughs> I see his I see his point, and that is the point we're all making. Like a lot of people don't, don't just do it once in a, a huge match. A, a lot of people say that about time violations on break points, don't they, and things like that. Which I often think, well, yeah, people tend to take more time because it's break point, and if they go over, then yeah, they should get called for it. I I think it's fair enough for him to give the rule as he thinks in the moment I also understand why people are annoyed about it I, I think maybe sometimes it's uh, empathy for the situation and that maybe at the end of that game hand over the microphone from the umpire and say Novak just watch that and it's like you, you know when you get a in, in rugby next one will be a car soft warning you know, so it's a soft warning and, um, but there was none of that it was straight in deaf, deaf gone five mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes there was a like in the Premier League you know everyone's always talking about inconsistent refereeing decisions there was kind of a sort of movement recently to sort of let the game flow a little mm. bit more mm. and sort of all referees started to do that and you think oh well okay we're doing that now that's fine I feel like this was just so isolated. There doesn't seem to be a sort of movement to call out more, you know, hindrances. Mm. Because literally it, on that court in exactly the same position, it was the, it was the same shot. It was a backhand down the line as, as Sinner referenced, as David referenced with, with Bublik. So it just felt, just felt so out of place. But if this is the start of umpires doing that, I don't have a problem with, with it because I think it was probably the right call. There was a big one in Serena against Sam Stosa oh, yeah. at the oh, US yeah. Open, which ended up kicking off mm. big time um, and also if you think back to the, the coaching violation that Patrick Moritoglu gave you know there was a big call for a soft warning post that wasn't there and I suppose with these things you, you're just going to end up with lots of people with different opinions on it all of them have got something to them I think it was reasonable to call it but I also understand why people say, well, there's no consistency because loads and loads of people mm. grunt all the time like that and don't get called for it. Mm. Again, just before we move on to talk about the next semi-final, uh, a last question for you, Andrew, on Yannick Sinner. One of the things that has come up a few times over the course of these shows that we've been doing from Wimbledon is sort of the wider look at Yannick Sinner because he's been really in the spotlight yeah. at this Wimbledon. He was front and centre of that pre-tournament poster. He's yeah. had a lot of top billings. He's got this Gucci deal. Mm. You know, he's he's hyped. Yeah. And I, I, there must be something... I, I don't have any negative feelings towards the guy. I think he has a lot of potential, etc., etc. I've, I've made my positions plenty clear enough before. I'm not down on him at all. I just don't quite get the the big-time hype, but maybe I'm sort of too entrenched in tennis to see something that maybe is cutting through with the with the wider world. What do you see in Yannick Sinner? Uh, well, in terms of tennis judgment, there are better people than me to make that. Although I would say that he's, he's actually, for someone, we talk about his um, great talent at a young age, he'll be 22 next month. But actually... He's come through quite late, so he had nothing really as a junior. He was outside the top 100. He didn't play a Grand Slam as a junior. So he's actually achieving quite a lot quite young. To have been to the quarterfinals of all the slams, now the semi-final at Wimbledon, then actually probably is worthy of a, a, a bit of hype. But the, the other thing is as well that probably gets them is that he's slightly different in terms of his his background or where he's from, from the Alps the, and the Dolomites up there in the Sud Tyrol. I mean, Andres Seppi was from the, the same region. Um, but, it, uh, but, but that he looks slightly different. I, I don't know what, what might be the particular hook because he just has a very, very good all-round game. There's nothing particularly dramatic or, or, about his game and he's not a particularly outgoing personality. So I, I'm not sure, but, but obviously other people see We're quite desperate. a lot in him. We're desperate. Yeah. There, well, there's, that's not it. Many, there's not many to get your teeth into, but is that's there? It. So Are we, though? There's yeah. Alcaraz. No, but I think, I think... And he's getting plenty of bandwidth, isn't he? Plenty. But there's plenty. not many others. Yeah. But how long now have people been yeah. saying... Where is the next wave to replace the big three? Because they think that we think that that should naturally happen without realizing that actually the big three—that's extraordinary. Those those three. So actually, it's going to be players who win 
three or four Grand Slams rather than somebody who wins 15, 20, 23, 24. Um, so that's why um, Sinner is probably going to be a, a, a multiple Grand Slam winner. So without perhaps being particularly, you know, he's never going to be a Nadal or Federer or Djokovic, but he, I think he is as good as it gets of the Alcaraz apart. He's, those two, Runa, you know, they're going to be carrying things on for a while. Mm, yeah, they, I mean, Alcaraz can't win every Grand Slam for the no, next 15 years, right? There will be, there will be the odd <laughs> Djokovic one. Djokovic will still be Djokovic is 51. Still yeah. be part of the next generation. <laughs> These youngsters aren't getting me, he says. How many generations do we think Djokovic has spanned? Well, I remember him being part of Marit Safin's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his first Grand Slam match, I think, was against Australia. Safin. And I commentated on that in about 2005 or something like yeah. that. Penman played him once, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Rizetsky <laughs> lost to him at um, a Davis Cup, I remember, in Glasgow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he really has spanned some, and he's not done yet. Mm. And, yeah. and, and in terms of the sort of players that everyone always thought would maybe push push those top players out, you know, you've got he saw off Burdick and Songa and... God. Ferrer. How long ago does Burdick <laughs> feel? He, yeah. saw, he saw off Raonic, Nishikori and Dimitrov. He, he's seeing off Rublev, Tsitsipas and Medvedev. Yeah. And he's seeing off Sinner and Runa and Alcaraz. He, he's, he's very special, Djokovic. But if you look at him when he was 21, so when he, you know, when the Australian Open in 2008, you're thinking, this guy's good. But you're not thinking this guy's going to be a world. Mm. And then for the next couple of years, you're thinking, well, there we go. Mm. He, he might win another couple, he might not. And so something, something then obviously happened. It just with diet or whatever it might be, kicks on and becomes a, a demigod. So there might be somebody who knows. A sinner might you kick on and become a demigod. Well, just because if we were doing a podcast back in two thousand eight, people would be going, "What is this podcasting you're talking about?" But also they'd be saying, <laughs> but also they'd be saying, Djokovic. You're getting excited about Djokovic. Well, you know, he's good, but he's not. He's only good because Roger Federer's got mononucleosis, yeah, exactly. glandular fever. Right, exactly. He yeah, wouldn't have beaten right. him otherwise, would he? So the wing's the guy you got to watch. For the next three years, we're all saying C. Will Novak Djokovic ever play Darwin Blanche? Because <laughs> that's the next gen behind this one. Yeah. 15, isn't he? Three to the boys, singles and doubles semi-finals, which weren't played today because this um, I believe uh, the intention is to move a lot of matches indoors tomorrow including those junior matches because if you can believe it the forecast is significantly worse well I will say putting my, my um, the glasses half full hat on do you have a hat for a glass half full? Do you get a hat? <laughs> it says I believe in glass half full on the brim so it, it, I think it's going to be drier tomorrow than this but it's actually the roof of the media centre might blow away it's about 50 miles an hour tomorrow afternoon so where we're going to go, I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're in big trouble. We've got two shows tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, two shows tomorrow. I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> Will Djokovic ever play Darwin Blanche? You're our Darwin Blanche guy, Matt. Yeah. You think so? Why not? I mean, Djokovic has got, what, two or three more years, probably. Yeah. Blanche will probably make his senior debut at 17, something like that. Mm, I suppose, you know. Their, their paths would have to cross in a draw early on. We're in the we're in the draw gods mm. in their hands. I think it's amazing what Djokovic is in any sport. Yes, he'll have the motivation for still going for more and more Grand Slams to to move beyond you know, Margaret Court and further. So that 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 gives him some of the motivation. But it it can't be every ex player in all sports I've ever talked to says I just couldn't. I couldn't do the training anymore. I couldn't motivate myself. I couldn't. So as well as being physically the best, mentally the best, he to have that drive to get up and want to keep on, because as you get older, the, the diminishing returns in terms of training, he'll be training harder, if not, than he's ever been doing. So that's what I find remarkable well, about Djokovic. Well, he spoke about that in, I think it was his pre-tournament press conference when he was asked, you know, how did he celebrate winning Roland Garros? And he, he basically said that he doesn't celebrate massively and go outside of his routines because he likes his routines and he likes the lifestyle that he lives. Yeah. That, that's he what makes I, him feel I good. I love healthy eating and I love... It was, 
Pretensely unrelatable. Yeah. Have a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was basically saying, I d- it's not like I'm denying myself right. pizza for the sake of success. I don't want a pizza, which... Well, he has another pizza than I cook. Uh, <laughs> it's never going to happen either. I think he's found his Federer moment in terms of contentment. Mm. This is it. This is what he's been waiting for, the chance to be top dog, to be the one everybody's talking about, not in the shadow of anyone. He's beaten them all. He's left leaving them all behind. He's going to break every record, <laughs> and he still feels good. So he's, these are the moments that he's going to make the most of. Uh, I think he's, he's, he will decline eventually. He'll decline before he loses his motivation. I think that will cause his motivation to wane. Yeah, it has mm. to happen sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. It's it's not just that he's 36 and doing this. It's that he's 36 doing this, and we so rarely talk about his age or his stamina. He's not walking past me, is he? He just <laughs> side-eyed me, David, in a worrying <laughs> way. We so rarely talk about the potential for him to fade physically in a best-of-five set match. It's just not really a feature of the discussion around No, sorry, it was Medvedev going past. Oh. Well, Medvedev mean, played well today, I thought. Yeah. So I, don't, uh, I thought it was I mean, hard done by him. He's gone now. <laughs> Tell us what you really feel. It was terrible, wasn't it? It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get on to that. David said that. But I, I, I do feel good, like yeah. Djokovic... I, I said last night, surely there's a chance that Yannick, Yannick Sinner can make this phys- physical. Yannick Noah. He wasn't in that <laughs> era. Tremendous. <laughs> 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 Should we talk about Medvedev? But, you know, he didn't make it physical. And also that was wrong clearly Djokovic was more balanced stronger everything better yes let's talk about Daniel Medvedev (laughs) he was bad today wasn't he I thought Alcaraz was great really really good Medvedev was bad and I can't believe I'm saying this just genuinely going to check it you've gone Um, I thought he played a really dumb match yeah how so a really dumb match you say Catherine (laughs) (laughs) Uh. um well, he kept banging his head against a brick wall, didn't he? I mean, he he has a match-up problem and quite possibly a mental problem against the famous Carlos Alcaraz. As, as he and, it. OK, changing it up and doing something radically different might not work because it would be something he's... You're all doing side-eye again, which is really, no, no, you're really worrying past. me. We're just people it, watching. It, this it, is quite... Right, OK, he doesn't mind what I say about Daniel no. Medvedev. OK. Um, yeah, look, it, it probably wouldn't be successful either if you changed it up and took yourself out of your comfort zone. But what he was doing, his plan A out there, standing back with the line judges, he was being humiliated mm. a bit. I mean, it looked exactly like their match had Indian Wells, mm. and that was not what I was expecting. I, I felt like Medvedev would, would adapt, as we so often talk about. He's so good at doing that. <laughs> of course, there's there's a trade-off you know he's he's standing behind the baseline to return serve so far back because that's where he's most comfortable that's where he feels he can play his best tennis um so if he steps in he's probably sacrificing something there but it just took him so long to try it I mean he did it he did it once or twice in that in that third set but it was you know the damage was done by then and I I so often talk about stubbornness among tennis players in many ways, I think it's a quality that you need. You know, at its best, it's a belief. You know, you don't you don't abandon your game plan straight away. You know, you need to have some kind of stubbornness and belief. But the but the bad end of it is pigheadedness and sort of arrogance and, mm. and almost delusion. And I think I think we I think we strayed into that territory today from Medvedev. It was it was it was a bit embarrassing actually yeah. how how easily Alcaraz was just was just making making plays and I think um, you know just just a, just a stat on that Alcaraz served volleys with a drop volley 12 times in the first two sets and won 11 of those points it was wow. it was and, just an easy and play and a lot for of him. the time the volleys weren't that great because they didn't need to be he had the whole court to play with because Medvedev was out of shot yeah. I, I, I thought from what I saw of it that Alcaraz played a bit like Djokovic in terms of just opening up the court and playing percentage plays in a spectacular running incredibly fast hitting incredibly hard kind of way but it was the sort of thing that Djokovic does to people to just open them up and 
I mean, they're, they're so far and away the best two players in the world. And there is a gap, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. And that's why it's good that they are meeting in the final because it does feel like there is some jeopardy. Is this your first co- uh, tournament commentating on Carlos Alcaraz, Andrew? Uh, well, uh, Queens. No, I did. I did. Uh, sorry, this is where I, I, I get. I get some criticism because because uh, I go full Alcaraz and people go what's what's going on this guy's in El Dorado or something like that <laughs> you do you Andrew but I do but you do you you be you no but uh, I, anyway so yes I did him him I'm going to call him now I did him against um, I did him against Sinner last year um, right and then uh, Queens this year um and ha- how changed and improved do you find him he's, 12 I, months on? I, you can see he's always big, but he's he's so powerful now as well. And that makes a big, big difference. Um, you know, he's he's a, an absolute bull of a young man. And I think um, I think on, on the grass, if it, if it were to go to five sets, I wouldn't have any worries about him against, against Djokovic. But again, it's just... An, and... And learning the composure, you all know it's about the having been there and done it now in in slams in the past year, that he will have just that little bit more composure on the big points, the confidence that, that is born of knowing you can do it because you've done it before. So, I think this will, I, you know, fingers crossed. I've said it ahead of a couple of matches this year. Wow, do you know what? This is going to be a classic, <laughs> and it's not been a classic. So, but I think this final could well be, because it's so clearly, if ever there was an epitome of Djokovic against the younger generation, this is it, because this is the flag bearer for the younger generation. Alcaraz is better than Sinner, he's better than Runa, by, by a distance at the moment. And so if Djokovic wants to say, hey, the young generation's coming after me, it ain't happening, it might. It might on, on Sunday. Who mm. thinks it's happening on Sunday? happening as in Alcaraz winning mm. no I can't predict that I'm still having a think um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it will but I'd love to see him I'd love to see Djokovic worried for mm. a, just a, a moment and see if that just you know he's been there before in terms of being stressed in matches and he's been fine obviously the but the thing is we we saw that second set in Paris when they played Alcaraz worried Djokovic yeah. it was a it was a fantastic set of tennis we were so hyped for the rest of it we know what happened you went out for a snack break you came back came back and it was over Alcaraz <laughs> <laughs> couldn't walk anymore <laughs> so did yeah. I win you over into a TH for the Z there did I I, I thought I heard you say Alcaraz no did I it, it was it was subliminal <laughs> was so. it oh, no I'm slowly <laughs> trying to trying to win everyone over but it's not happening so um, yeah I'd just like to see Djokovic stressed and I don't mean that, you know any. I just think I, I, and the championship on the men's side of things needs, you know, a cracking fun. I want to see his limits tested. I want yeah. to know where those limits are. Age thirty six, Novak Djokovic, where he is right now. I suspect they're you know way up in space, but I want to find that out. Mm. Uh, oh dear, David. <laughs> is it? Really, is it? <laughs> Oh, Not as hardy bit, yeah. as your, no. your Scottish I colleague over under here, David. I am sitting the edge of the, I mean, uh, the, edge of the roof as it is. Uh, I, 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 I think that if uh, Alcaraz shows up, it's going to be a classic. That's what I think. He's going to show up, isn't he? It's well, not going to be I do Paris not, again. I do not think that Djokovic beats him easily if he shows up. I agree. And uh, therefore I will wait to decide who I think is going to win. Uh, after another 24 hours. Okay, we do have we have three shows yeah. between now and now I and the men's time, final. I can change my three could, times in that period. If you could make some predictions at some point during those three I'll, shows, I'll that would there. be great. And there's also a newsletter as well. Point, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know what? I think he's probably got this one. Um, I just, yeah, I, 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 he's going to show up. Then we're in for a treat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wary of saying too much because last time I did, I got I got clipped and everyone was everyone was blaming me for Alcaraz Djokovic being crap after I after I'd said it wouldn't be. <laughs> but it wasn't. Paris. But we've been it, talking about that match it, happening it for thirteen short, months. It was short, but it wasn't crap. There were two really good sets. There, there were. Yeah, and then he crashed. The ending was crap, but yeah. the first two sets were. Awesome. People forget the first two sets yeah. too easily in that. And look, something happened to him there, and it might happen again. I don't think it will. I think he will be all right this time. But I do think Djokovic has the type of game that can just make him 
run in the wrong direction sometimes. <laughs> you know, as quick as he is, as roadrunner-like as he is, Djokovic is, has this ability to just change the direction in a way that nobody else can. And Alcaraz can pick it against everybody mm. else. He can't pick it yet against Djokovic, so he ends up relying on his speed to get himself back into position. And I feel like maybe he might be able to read it a bit better having faced it again. Um, and I don't think he cramps. Hmm. I just don't see that happening. I think, I think he'll be competitive all the way through this time. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. A couple of other results to bring you from today before we move on to chat about uh, the women's final tomorrow and dogs. Obviously, I've left <laughs> I've left a good portion of the show uh, <laughs> for dogs. Um, we had a win for Storm Hunter and Elise Mertens. They I've written here past me was really on fire. Uh, stormed their way into the women's doubles final. Uh, they thank you, Matthew, for that laugh. I appreciate that. They beat uh, Jung and Dolhide six one six one in the semi final that they played on court number one. Centre and not. For those who are just listening rather than watching, uh, uh, I, the umbrella has just tried to eat David. My, my umbrella is expensive. Oh, no, it's all going wrong. Rounds will be closing in around 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Please make your way to the exit gates and make sure you take all your belongings with you. You've got we the hope you've enjoyed your day here at Wimbledon and we wish you a pleasant and safe journey home. Thank you. Nailed it. Also, a lot of people have not enjoyed their day here at Wimbledon today. (laughs) Sorry, was that 15 minutes that's closing? Yes. We'll be all right for the the people who've come along and uh, and Mm. watched and seen very That's for people that spent the day on the hill. Those hardy folk are now being kicked out unceremoniously. I don't think there's any left. There was an announcement from the referee's office about the weather about 5.45 as they cancelled all all matches on on the outside courts and and it says... The outlook does not look good. <laughs> Just in general in the world. And I thought, yep, that, that's uh, the same for Yannick Sinner and Daniel Medvedev as well. Lots of bad looking outlooks um, today. David, are you okay before I'm we fine. press on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just the. Um just it's an just, umbrella injury. It's, it's just my Catherine managed that for a ego. whole whole hour. Right, the other day, David. Need to make it worse, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, you know. What was I I'm saying? I'm getting wet. Storm and my, Hunter I'm, and Elisa Mertens will play uh, Shea Su Wei and Barbora Str- uh, Stritzova in the 
wins doubles final. They beat Marie Buzkova and Saras Ribes Tormo today, 6 4 6 1. Uh, Shea and Stritzova, the 2019 champions, of course, and Stritzova's come out back from retirement to, to play a victory lap this year on tour. So this will be her last Wimbledon, and she's into the finals. That's an incredible story. And it, and it could be an actual victory lap. Mm. Yeah, great story. And we have one woman through to the women's wheelchair singles final. That is Yiska Griffin. Still working on that. Uh, she beat Yui Kamiji 6-3-7-5 today. She awaits the winner of Dida de Hoot and Anique Van Koot, who at last check was still playing over on court number one. I think that will be the last completed match for today. As I say, lots on the schedule for tomorrow. Lots of matches that were supposed to be played on outside courts today. Andrew says it's going to be dry, but just no, not apocalyptically sure, sure windy. It's not as wet as this. It's going to be sunshine and showers, but just incredibly windy tomorrow. So, um, and that you can't shut the roof for wind. So they'll. Oh well, I don't know. I, I think, don't think I so. think they're pushing the boundaries of roof shuttery this year. I think they. Well, mm. there have been a couple of matches where they could easily have started, and then or they could, or they could have played. I think they've been quite conservative, quite erring on the side right. of... Because yeah. I think they've been thinking, we've got to get things done. So so we're expecting a women's final under the roof tomorrow? I think, I think so. I think it will be because... Not because of the wind, but I think it will be because there are quite a few shows coming through tomorrow. So it's just not relentless like today, apparently. What do we think is going to happen? David, you do have to give predictions. France, Schubert one. against yes. um, Marquette Avondra. Yeah, your time has run out. I think it's on Schubert's yeah. time. This is, this is it. It is, and it'd be a it'd be a great story, and I think it'd be a, a deserving winner. And she's such a popular character as well, and uh, I think it would be a very good winner for Wimbledon, for women's tennis, for you know, it's not uh, someone coming from the very same countries all the time and 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 winning. And you know, if we talk about spreading the game and spreading sport and giving women's sport a higher elevation. This is a story that would actually resonate a little bit a little bit more it could only have resonated even more if it was Svitolina in the final but on Jabeur I think would be a wonderful especially after last year as well I just I, I, I do like her personality you commentated on the, her final last year right? I did I was, I was, and so that's why I was a bit worried this year because you saw in that final that she seemed to tighten up a little bit it was there for her and uh, but again hopefully that stands her in good stead and she looked very very good in the semi-final so you know we, do, we try not to have favourites when you're covering an event and you, certainly I'm, I won't be commentating on it so I can you know, support a little bit I'd like to see her win it so. Sounds like exactly the sort of moment that Marquette of Androsheva might be able yes. to just <laughs> nip and say yeah well, I don't care whatever yeah. I'm She's won their last two Yeah, yeah she's won yeah. their last two this year I mean one of and, those and was in Australia and on Shabur was not she fit, wasn't fit to play. And Jabert absolutely knew that head-to-head, didn't she? She brought it up in her on-court interview after yeah. her victory over Sabalenka. Mm. It, the question was a generic, you playing Marquette von Dresha in the final? And she said, yeah, lost to her twice this year. So, And then she brought up revenge mm. because the whole revenge narrative well, is going very well for Jabert. She makes you believe that that is a thing in her mind and she's actually making good on it there's not many that would reference that particular word you know most would say oh I want to win but it's not about revenge well she's absolutely going there mm-hmm. straight away but I just feel like game wise she's the one who can handle the stuff that Vondrosova will throw the angles the spins the flights and I think that Anstjabur has figured out how to harness her own game in the last well maybe even in the last couple of weeks she's really cracked it I think different styles against different players she can try different ones to combat them and I just feel like she's she's just finally figured it out she's put the tricks largely away for the last two matches those two matches were against big power hitters though how much trickery do we expect to see against Vondrosheva who you called a sorcerer in commentary the other day David I was some of the stuff she was doing was amazing um I think that it'll be mostly reactive. I think the beauty of Anstibur's ability is that she can use her hands and her know-how to react to whatever you're doing and make it worse for you. Um, in the past, she's done it in a sort of decorative way. She's just wanted to go out there and show you everything she's got 
in the toolbox and whether whether it's a good idea or not and we all go oh wow isn't she great to watch oh she doesn't seem to go that far during tournaments well that's not the case anymore and I think she's right where she needs to be mm. yeah I think I think Jabir uh, I, I think we won't as as Andrew said you know there was a there was a tightening in that final last year she feels ready for it now but I don't think we really know until she gets back in that situation tomorrow and she's just been very disciplined in the way she's played um and I think, I think she'll respond, as, as David said, to Von Drosheva's shot-making. I think she'll use her own shot-making to respond to that. But generally, I'm expecting, I'm expecting less than if this match against Von Drosheva had been a year ago. I think you know, I would have mm. just been sort of expecting drop shots on every rally from, mm. from the pair of them. I think there'll be plenty. But I think Jabir will, will try and play a bit, a bit more on her terms like, she, like she's managed to do. I wonder how many Tunisians there'll be here tomorrow there was quite a lot last year wasn't there there were I would love for there to be a lot I think there will be I think there will be yeah and there's a there's a there's a a big Tunisian population in Mm. London of course it's a case of you know getting tickets as well but um, yeah I hope I hope that would be really special assuming she wins if not the the weather is a factor (laughs) I mean I I think last year a lot of people would have come on a grounds pass just to be here yes to go on the hill to watch it to sing yeah it's just not going to be an option mm. tomorrow, I don't think. I get blown away on the hill well, tomorrow. Really, I think sounds it sounds horrendous. what's coming tomorrow. Do join us. Tomorrow is going to be lovely. <laughs> well, it we will be. We don't know. <laughs> just to say, Vondrosheva has been brilliant under the roof in, in the last... You know, when the roof came on against Pagula, there was a, yeah. there was a noticeable uh, improvement in her game. And she was obviously excellent against Svitolina for the vast majority of that match, too. Like... Not that Jabir was bad under the roof either against uh, against Sabalenka, but mm. I don't know that that could be a factor that could help Vondrosheva. I'm still going Jabir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, okay. Let's get on to talk about our Wimbledon mascot, Erin. We have a lot of dog mascots. Andrew, Erin uh-huh. is in fact a cat, okay. lovely cat. I'm out of here. No. <laughs> No, I, I don't like cats. I love animals, so cats, cats are good. She's great. She's great. We don't think she's particularly hyped about being our mascot, but we're hyped to have you, Erin. We have our mascots. I've got Xenia. David's got Maisie. Matt's got Darwin. They're all dogs. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, did anybody get points today? No. No, we didn't. We failed to predict straight sets wins for the best players in the world. We overestimated the quality of the matches mm. that we'd be seeing today. <laughs> Only Hannah got it right. Yeah. She, yeah. she thought it was six sets and that's it. Props to Hannah. We have my dog, Billie Jean, Andrew, who's sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Right, yeah. Normal. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> as you do. We have top folks and executive producers. They are humans. They are Jamie, Hannah and Drew. Hello to you. And Matt, we have shout-outs. Yes, we have Debbie Goldstein, who is in Israel. Hello, Debbie. I think we might have shouted out Debbie before, maybe. I think we have. Yes. Hello again, Debbie. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now you get an Andrew Cotter shout-out. Yeah, yeah. uh, tennis Debbie, Deborah Jevons. Yes, yes. correct. New chairman of, of the All England First Club. ever female chair. That's very good. Don't know any tennis players. Don't know she's a Debbie, though. Don't want, want to be over familiar with old. Deborah. Oh, I think I, I think some of my colleagues at the BBC, when she used to work for Five Live, refer to as Debbie. But officially, we're definitely supposed to say on air, Deborah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was told Debbie, but know that she is in that position. It's Deborah. So. Right, 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 right. So if you, if Matt ever became sort of chairman of something, you'd, go you'd back to you'd become a Matthew. Yeah. You'd rebrand. Yeah. Yeah. Much Matty. like Matthew behind the Much camera. Much like the cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so big, he's had a rebrand. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, Debbie. <laughs> Debs. <laughs> We've also got Rachel Kirby from East Sussex. Hello, Rachel. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> All right, Rachel. Um, Hello, Rachel. Tennis Rachels. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Struggling. Really Matt used stopping. to live in East Sussex, didn't you? No, West no. Sussex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we hate them in East Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> what was the surname again? 
Kirby. 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 Like Fran like Kirby. Like Fran Kirby. Okay. Uh, Angelique Kerber. <laughs> Angelique I Kirby. I see what you've done. <laughs> I tried to. We are rubbish tonight. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel Hayhoe Flint didn't play tennis. So, um. We're going to have to consult Mary Carrillo again. Yeah, yeah, we will. Rachel, we okay. will do better, better for you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being a friend of the pod. And finally, we have David Kalina from Austin, Texas. Hi, right, David. David. Oh. Top name. David mate. Wheaton. Was he, uh, Wheaton was from Texas, was he not? Yeah. Wheaton. Wheaton, very good. He used to have a star a star's spangled stri- bandana. Yeah, bandana thing. He was one of those players that sort of the early 90s, he just kept popping up in the last 16 quarterfinals. And That's right. I know someone called Austin from Texas. Mm. Austin from Texas. Mm. Oh, the, the group it's tremendous <laughs> name dropper I know Charlene from according Texas. to the internet the world's sexiest tennis influencer is called Rachel Stallman oh, that's right. what I got okay. when I googled tennis Rachel well there we are excellent the oh. world's sexiest tennis Probably influencer at events where I'm influencing <laughs> is she a member of the tennis family I don't know <laughs> I don't know Rachel thank you very much uh, who was from Austin, Texas? David. 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 Sorry, David how Kalina. can I ever forget a David? Thank you very much, Andrew. Lloyd Felgate. N- um, so I thought we we're still doing Davids. <laughs> both, <laughs> both good chaps. What's um, Andrew's fitting in? What's next for you, Andrew? What is next for me? I am uh, heading off to the Open Championship. Um, so I'm pr- I think I'm probably done here because of finals weekends. So. How many sports do you typically cover in a summer? Summer's summer's busy uh, because you go from Queens to Wimbledon to the mm. Open to generally uh, an Olympics would there'll be an Olympics or World Athletics Championships or European Athletics. It's World Athletics this year in uh, Budapest next month, so it's just uh, yeah compartmentalised. Do your research during that event and then and then move on. So, um, but yeah, no, I've enjoyed it again enormously. I, it's. Uh, it's a, t- a tennis commentary on the TV is of all the sort of commentaries I do it's the most you're thinking constantly just about little windows to nip into because you don't want to talk over the umpire you don't want to talk too much that's the thing which I you know especially when I because I started off in radio commentary many many years ago and when you move from radio uh, commentary and uh, rugby or athletics um, to television it's a very similar it's still a full full um, canvas of chat whereas in tennis it's no, the umpire's a commentator, the crowd's a commentator, the, the score's there for you, the sound of the ball and the racket is everything. So you just rein it all back in. So uh, that's why switching from sports to sports is sometimes a bit tricky, but after a day of adjustment, I'll be there. I'll be fine. Which is your favourite sport and, and why is it tennis? Uh, <laughs> well, it's difficult to say on this tennis podcast what my favourite <laughs> sport is, but um, to, uh, to commentate on, they're all just very different. So, I, again, I just love the challenges of, of doing them all. But, um, I mean, I grew up in, in Troon, which is golf country. I did play tennis there in the tennis club in Troon, but talk about windy conditions. See, tomorrow I would have been fine playing tennis. <laughs> you start your toss back there somewhere You're and good in the drift windy, forward with like this. Alcaraz. Yeah, exactly. You'll well, be challenging us all tomorrow. Master of the underarm serve. Um, and who's going to win the Open? Tennis predictions? Fine. Golf predictions are so much more difficult. Hang on, tennis predictions are a nightmare. No, no, no. So, uh, so in, the la- well, in the last 20 years they've been a lot easier, but, um, but if you were to <laughs> predict in golf you'd say 50, 60 players could win every week now because equipment has levelled things so much uh, that players can't separate. That's why what Tiger Woods did was just incredible. To win 15 is extraordinary. Um, I didn't realise that at the time. I used to see him and Federer going toe-to-toe think they're doing in the numbers, same kind of thing, and yeah. I didn't realise. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That what Tiger Woods was doing was probably more outlandish. Mm. Well, you're kind of you're beating 150 players as opposed to beating. Yes, you are beating the field in tennis, but directly, you know, mm. you're winning seven matches. Mm. So it's just it's 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 
and and I think because it's a one-on-one sport in tennis, you can if you're better, you can dominate your opponent a bit. Whereas you, the the variables and you can't control what's happening quite so much in in golf. You might get an unlucky draw morning or afternoon. The weather just changes totally. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tiger Woods is extraordinary. So I move on to golf chat at the end of the tennis podcast. But um, yeah, I, so I didn't answer your question, but what I, which one I prefer? Um, I like them all equally. Very diplomatic. Like all my children, I love mm. them. The <laughs> thing is, I don't have any children. Which so one I can are your dogs? You like dogs? Oh, they're they're both just special, and I wish they were here with me. So, Fi- well, that brings me to my very final question: How can we join forces, Andrew, to get more dogs in tennis? Well, I've done my, I've done my bit this this year with this, with the search dogs, the explosive search dogs. So I think I, that that was why um, there were two of them at the top of the program with Claire Balding, and uh, today she got uh, Flo and Bentley on with her. But she does crafts Claire as well, doesn't she? So she she was uh, delighted of that. So yeah, more dogs in tennis. So when you talk about the AI coming in and in terms of yeah we might be automatically calling the lines as well so the line judges go ball boys and ball girls and ball gatherers they're the next to go get dogs in well trained dogs and they can just sit in the lines and and they would just they would be beautiful at fetching those balls although occasionally they'd run into the court and the umpire would shout hindrance (laughs) (laughs) as a spaniel so we'll all be replaced by AI and there'll just be dogs running around everywhere that sounds like a happy future to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds like utter utopia Andrew thanks very much for joining us on the tennis podcast David and Matt thank you as well but cheers that's you know you're a given (laughs) thank you thank you all for watching thank you to all of our shout out friends our intro friends friends of the tennis podcast that keep this show on the road year round subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already it is free and it's excellent teaser for the stat today I uh, haven't done the stat yet, but King it's of the gonna, 90s is going to be good. great. Uh, <laughs> oh, Rachel McCluskey used to play tennis in Trin Tennis Club. Well done. Does that Andy. count? <laughs> Mic we're, drop. We're going to take it. <laughs> Mic drop ending to day 12, live from Wimbledon. Make sure you join us tomorrow, not only for the podcast and the live show after the end of play, but also for our live show previewing the women's final. We'll be here, I mean... Hopefully we'll be in the dry weather position, but we might very well be here at midday tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, previewing the women's final. So do join us then. And of course, after play tomorrow as well. Thank you for joining us. We'll speak to you tomorrow. 